Hey guys, welcome to episode 105 of the JV Club with my wonderful guest, Susie Nakamura. I'm delighted to have had Susie on the podcast. I couldn't think more highly of her. She's extremely talented and funny. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. Shout out wise, I feel like I have a lot to cover today. So I just want to quickly um, uh, plug uh, my buddy Brendan's uh, new old timey Nichols and May-esque comedy album. It's called The Big Tickle. The Big Tickle. You can check it out at thebigtickle.com. I want to um, also acknowledge, you know, I, I got a couple of uh, emails following my episode with Aisha Tyler regarding the um, kind of tossed off remarks that were made about CEOs being overpaid uh, for nonprofit organizations, and um, you know it was it was something that Aisha had mentioned. Uh, I think I sort of you know responded with an agreement and then changed the subject. Um, but I, 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 it really ruffled some feathers and I, I want to acknowledge that I, I, I understand that and I totally respect that. Um, I wasn't really thinking hard about what Aisha was saying. I was kind of trying to move the podcast forward to, into, um, kind of uh, tightening it up and, and getting mash completed and all that good stuff. But, um, uh, as a person who uh, had a CEO of Goodwill Industries in my life, um, for many, many years growing up, uh, who was very well paid, I have to say, um, I had no, I took no issue whatsoever with, with, uh, with her salary. She worked incredibly hard as hard as any CEO, um, if not harder. So, uh, anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge that I want to thank Laura specifically and, uh, and Jessica for, um, calling that stuff to my attention. Um, there's a, a great Ted talk you can check out that I will put on the, um, the Facebook page and, uh, and also, you know, just a reminder, the charity navigator is, 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 can be a good place to, uh, understand what charitable organizations are doing and why. Okay. So, uh, I wanted to acknowledge that I wanted to thank, um, for your great emails, JD and Jamie as well, um, for your Facebook postings and messages, Joseph, Thomas D, um, on Nerdist, uh, Gina, Monia, Scully, Chapin, Joe, Todd, Robin, PJ. I want to thank on Twitter. Yeah, that's right, guys. I finally caught up on Twitter for a hot second. Sarah, Emily, Ray, Kyle, Juicy Melon, Jim, Joshua, PJB, and EHRR. And, uh, and then I wanted to just remind you that I will be at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival Sunday, May 11th. I will be there through that whole weekend, but my show is at the Douglas Fir Lounge on Sunday at 6 p.m. Um, uh, and my guest, of course, is the amazing Carrie Brownstein. So hope to see some of you there. And then in Chicago, which is much sooner, uh, this last weekend in April, uh, I will be there with the Thrilling Adventure Hour. You can check that out at thrillingadventurehour.com. Bridgetown Comedy Festival's website is bridgetowncomedy.com. Emily, I wanted to thank you for your... Um, recommendation that I make it to check out the miniatures in Chicago. Rest assured, it is a goal. Okay, so a lot, uh, lot covered there, guys. I hope you enjoy the ep, and uh, I don't know why I felt like I was so busy I couldn't say the entire word episode, but that's just what happened, and uh, I send you lots of e-hugs and smooches. Bye. Now entering Nerdist.com Yeah, I don't want to 
I don't want to waste another second, uh, especially if you are uh, willing to try to guess what my dog. What kind well, of it's a little bit like a game because I walk in, there's dog bowls, but no dogs. I'm, you know, trying to look for pictures on the wall without looking like I'm nosy, and then I see dog hair on the microphone um, sponge. So, but also like. But I think what we need to bring like into this. It seems like it's a challenge. seems like you I am challenging you. You hit all the pictures. As of now, I am challenging you. took you. the dogs out of the house. I feel bad now that I don't have pictures of my dogs <laughs> around, but like, that seems like uh, extreme. To have dog pictures? How sad is, was my, and empty you, is my life? I, I thought you did have dog pictures, but they're just in a place that I haven't seen them. Like, you just keep them in your bedroom. I don't I mean I have them on my phone. I have my dog. I have a shrine. I have a dog shrine. First of all, I got to back up and apologize to those of my listeners who have pictures of their dogs. I just implied that you were a sad and empty person. Not implied. I explicitly said, how sad and empty would my life be if I pictured my dogs? I don't even believe that. (laughs) To me, somehow, we live in a digital age where like every photo I have now, I don't do anything with because it just lives on my computer or my phone. So I don't ever. Yeah, there's no like, unless I had. now, if I had somebody paint a portrait of the dogs oh, for thousands of dollars. Like, or the Warhol ones where it's like the quad of different yeah. colors. <laughs> Neon dogs. Yeah. I almost gave away what kind of dogs I have. Now, in fairness, Neon. one of them is a mix, so I don't know how you're going to get there. But I, I, I don't want even know what size. Oh, I know what size. Cause okay. Now okay. I love it. All right. So, <laughs> guys, so you're wondering, the dogs are still uh, where they hang out when I'm gone. So everybody knows where that is. Um, so, but this is very exciting for me that Susie is, cause there aren't a lot of clues, but not certainly that clues. bed. Now I will say, large do you want bed. any help? Yeah. Do you, and, and also it's not like a large, it's not like, well, great. I'm dang. not going to say it. Well, I think, I, you know, there's more than one. The question you need to ask yourself is do both of them go on right. there or is it one, is it one that gets the bed and then the other one does something else? Yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm is excited alpha, as if you're does, solving a crime. Does the huge alpha dog at the bed while the, you know, the beta, is that what you call it? Just sleeps on the cold, cold floor. Or do two um, equal status dogs share that bed? I'm going to go with two equal status dogs share that bed. She's making sure that her face doesn't <laughs> give anything away. I feel like I also away. want you to, you can also ask me questions I like the idea of you asking me questions without getting explicit about breed or size, like like general questions, like how long have you had them? Have you had them? You know what I'm saying? Like, why, let's play some, let's do some, let's have you grill me some more as if. Why don't um, I just sitting. start the narrative and you stop me when I'm wrong? Okay, great. What um, sound do you want me to, I'm going to make a barking sound <laughs> when you're wrong. Um, you, you got one from a shelter and you had one dog for a, a little bit. I'm not going to specify uh, what kind. And then you had the opportunity, I'm going to say, to adopt the second one. And then the second one joined the family. Uh, I'm going to say the I'm second nodding. one's a little... I'm going to say the second one is smaller than the first one. Arf! Okay, I'm going to say the second one. So the second one's larger than the first one. Arf! They're the same size. Correct. And, uh, and there's the same breed. No, they look similar. Do they look similar? They make sense together, but they don't sure. look similar. Okay, sure. Oh, confusing. Like siblings, kind of. Like they don't match. Yeah. Um, all right. I do see a print behind here of sort of like a a terrier. I can't. I can only see the eyes. Is that like a oh, terrier yeah. mix? I'm going to say one dog looks like that. 
No. I mean, then why, why would someone give you that picture then? Well, because it's an artist <laughs> friend of mine. Okay. And unfortunately, what you don't know is there are several portraits of other, other types dogs. of animals, Just not, not even not dogs. Uh, there's a deer. I'm looking at a deer right now. You'll okay. see later. There, I think there's an owl or two. That's my friend, Ryan Berkeley. He's an artist who is, does these portraits of very somber looking uh, animals in human clothing. Oh, so but that's cute. a good detective work. Thank you. I really, I really was just speaking as generally as yeah. I could. Let's get back to. Did I? I can't remember if I barked or not. Like if you ever, if you made, if we had, we had not made up no, those rules not, when you were talking about the bed. So maybe we need to revisit that. <laughs> I hope this takes the whole hour. <laughs> now I just want to see the dogs. I just want to see them. Oh, wow. I'll just picture them. You'll see them. I mean, I'll show you a picture when this is all over. All right. All right. I can handle that. Uh, You know, they say, especially in comedy, your imagination's always, you know, better than... Yeah. Oh, you'll be definitely disappointed. No, you won't. They're great dogs. (laughs) Do you think of me, what like, as the person you, whatever little idea you have of me... What kind of dog? But like, in terms of like, am I a small dog person? Am I a big dog person? I just pictured you with like just medium dogs, um, nothing specific like a uh, Pekingese or Pug or anything like that. Ugh. Just sort of like a, those are small dogs in my yeah, point of view. Yeah, but just sort of like you know, mix of maybe like a terrier in there, and um, you know, I don't know that much about dogs. I I know a, a, like what a black lab, yellow lab, you know, the classic ones. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I just picture like a medium, medium dog. I'm making medium a medium dog's good. I'm She's making, making a motion good with my hand. Medium sized <laughs> pet. I mean, my okay. I'll say I will tell you the weight. So they're I, they're medium to large. I would say they're in the they're in the forty to fifty pounds. pounds. Yeah, forty five pounds. That's about right. Yeah, for both of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now one right. of them is eleven. The other one is four. Hmm. Which one did I get first? Which one have I had longer? Um, I'm going to say you got the, uh, I'm going to say you got the four-year-old first and the 11-year-old. Interesting. Arf. Oh. Hmm. I, right. I well, you're tired of this game. Yeah. I, don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. <laughs> uh, and also, everyone listening already knows what kind of dogs I have. So that's uh, hopefully was also very fun for them. Again, at your expense. <laughs> now, the dog that I have that is 11, his name is Scott. Uh, he, I had for the longest, I've had him for 10 years Scott. and he is a husky mix. So oh. he's like, a, a Australian sheepdog and husky. Um, I just realized that I don't so have my phone smart. in front of me. Very smart. Both dogs are very smart. And then Whitley is the four year old and, uh, they were both rescues, but, um, Whitley, I just got, uh, about nine months ago. She's a husky. She's a red husky. So Scott's white and black, sort of white and gray. Uh-huh. With big black eyes and tiny ears. I'll have to find a picture after we finish. And then um, Whitley is uh, a red husky with blue eyes. And they're both very, very smart. And um, they're wonderful. They sound adorable. I know. I wish they were here for you to meet. Did you find Whitley on the street, Whitley? No, she was Pasadena Pound. Pasadena Pound. So she's from that area. Cool. She's from the east side. She's the east side. Pasadena. Yeah. Yeah, She's Pasadena. Where are you? Are you... uh, I'm in West Hollywood. You're in the... Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And how long have you lived here? I have lived here for... Oh. Quick math. 18 Mm -hmm. years. Oh, my gosh. Doesn't sneak up on us, huh? Yeah. I don't like that. I've been here for like 10, and that just shocked the hell out of me when I realized it the other day. Almost 10. I think maybe 9. But like very near 10. It doesn't seem that long, does it? 
It no, because time starts to become very fast moving. I remember when I first passes. moved here, I asked someone at a party, "How long have you lived here?" You know, I just moved here, and I remember for some reason specifically, he goes five years, and I remember thinking like, "Wow, that's a long time." Uh, yeah, and by the way, it still <laughs> sounds long to me. Like that sounds like a long time for someone to live in a place. Yeah. But when I double that and realize I've been here that long, it doesn't mean the same thing on the inside as it does on the outside. Kind of. Yeah. And you were Chicago before that? I was in, born and raised in Chicago. Born and raised in mm-hmm. Chicago. My dad also born and raised in Chicago. But like in Chicago proper? Or yeah. In the, oh, my dad's suburbs. Oh. Willamette? Oh, yeah. North and side. Evanston. Oh, yeah. Okay. Are they close to each other? Yeah. They're both north of Chicago. Okay. Um, Evanston's right next. is just on the other side of Howard, which is, you know, the border of Chicago, which is Howard Street. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so once in a while we would go to Evanston to watch if a movie was playing there that wasn't, and I was born on the South side, um, but was raised on the North side. So what does that mean? Like what's the South side like versus the North side? The South side, I was born, well, I think the South side normally means, uh, either like South side Irish, you know, where all the beers in the bar are the short neck so people can't use them as weapons. And <laughs> and then there's like and then there's just like the black South Side, which is where I was from. <laughs> okay. Now, for those of you who couldn't tell from the photo that you looked at or the name of the person that I have on my podcast, don't are you are you a, even a little black? No, no, not no. But my dad taught at Hyde Park High School, and uh, we just lived by the Chicago Skyway. I've heard of Hyde Park. Yeah. It's bad that I've never. I, I'm going to spend my first kind of real weekend in Chicago. <gasps> it's crazy that I've never been there. I never had like a specific reason oh to be there. Like, God. oh, you're going to. Because yeah. and, and the reason I'm finally going is to do Thrilling Adventure Hour. And I don't know why. I know that it's a great place to vacation and stuff. But I feel like because I don't have. Like, my dad doesn't have family there really anymore. Mm-hmm. And no one in my life that I went on trips with ever like felt it and it was like i choose chicago for us <laughs> right you know what i mean and i didn't so i just somehow it's escaped me but it's i'm so great... excited to go i've been wanting to go forever as if i couldn't go unless right. i had a reason what <laughs> no but it's great me? to go for a reason you know like either to visit someone that lives there or for an event or whatever but yeah it's i, I mean obviously i can't be that objective but i do feel like it's the greatest city in the world and especially for the arts you know for for culture it's um it's it when you grow up there as a kid there's this sort of unspoken philosophy that art and culture is for everyone hmm. everyone so there's public art you know and you grow up and you're like we're going to meet by the picasso and like you just <laughs> it's just like there right there's yeah. the calder and then yeah. there's the picasso and you know there's festivals that are free gospel fest blues fest you know there's they show free movies in the park or there's some sort of program city program every year where everyone learns to dance or everyone reads the same book or whatever right and so it's great to to be poor because everything is still, still available to you yeah god i not to turn you into like a cultural historian where it's your responsibility now <laughs> like you're the voice of chicago for me but because you bring that up it's okay if you don't know this but what do you think that where did that come from? Like what makes, because I mean, I'm sure people, obviously New Yorkers argued that New York is the best city in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know any other American city 
that like the preponderance of people who live there really say that. I felt that way when I lived in San Francisco. Uh-huh. But then when I left, I stopped feeling that way. <laughs> like I love San Francisco. I don't think it's the best city in America. I don't think it's the best city in the world. You know what I mean? I just think it's kind of a special, great little city. But I don't have that same fierce kind of pride in it. And I'm just wondering... Where does that like? Where does that start? Like, does that start all the way back with like the Chicago World's Fair or before that? Or do the the immigrants that founded Chicago, all these different pockets of people, like, was for some reason there's some kind of unified point of view about arts and culture that didn't make it to you know in the same way to like Philadelphia or Phoenix or you know what I mean? That's a great question. I don't I don't know the reason why, but I do. But I do know that I I you know, grew up thinking this is what it's like all over. And then the more I traveled, obviously, and the more, you know, the different places I lived, I realized, oh, it's not this way everywhere. And so it made me appreciate it more. I don't think I ever took it for granted. But, you know, like we were in, you know, as kids, we were involved uh, in whatever the different free city programs. Yeah. Who's we, by the way, just to put it in context? uh, I have a brother Mm -hmm. and uh, I, uh, well, my parents were divorced. So I would, and my dad was a teacher. So I spent the school year with my mom and I spent the summers with my dad and uh, I don't know there was always stuff to do and even in the Chicago public schools that you know you visited the Chicago Symphony Orchestra every year and so you knew you knew classical music you know it was just around all the time but even like the zoos were free I know here there's always one day that the museum is free but I don't know I just it was just always a given and maybe because it's the Midwest so I don't want to say they take the preciousness of culture away, away because actually I think they value it more. But they take the in, in excess of they, they the, the elitism in, yeah. out of it, right? Yeah, that does seem kind of midwestern. Yeah. yeah, it's like the best of both worlds, isn't it? Yeah, it really makes sense. <laughs> I just fell in love with Chicago on a deep <laughs> level, having never spent any time there. I feel like so many. I mean, so many people I love are from Chicago, not included, not you know, to disclude my parents, like or my dad, anyway. But like. So many because Second City, yeah. I mean, so I many mean, dear I, friends. Are I think just it's like, easy to, to to develop something there. And I know I, I'm pretty sure this is correct. Um, the 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 idea of an ensemble award in theater started in Chicago. There was mm. no ensemble category before. I think the Jeff Awards. That's so started cool. because the idea is you're not there to star in something. You're only there to support other people. So if everyone is supporting everyone else, <gasps> then you've got the best it. show you can do. And you know, that's, it's commonplace now. More. Yeah. <laughs> it's commonplace now. Best on ense- even television ensemble and yeah. stuff, but that started in Chicago theater. That is, I mean, what that should be a huge point of pride. Yeah. Was it difficult for you to make the decision to move to LA? Uh, or did you sort of always know, not always, but like when did you sort of start to get a feeling like I'm in the special place, but. I did theater, theater, mm-hmm. theater. I did Second City. And then I, and, uh, and then I did an independent movie. I got cast in my first movie and I immediately loved it. Like it was different and you got to take more time. You got to do it more than once. Um, I don't know if I could say I loved it more than theater, but it was so different that I like loved the process we shot a week out in los angeles and i thought oh I th- i'm gonna move out here but i think it's difficult for most people because it's like i don't want to be away from my family and i don't blah, blah, blah. <coughs> i'm allergic to this story i'm sorry 
You got the dog hair. You've got the dog hair, Mike. I know. I didn't take my allergy medication. I'm not allergic to the dogs, but I am allergic to... um, Culture. Dust, culture. And before you got here, I was um, doing some gardening, as you saw, from the wet ground. And I am fairly allergic to, like, desert grasses. Like, a lot of stuff that's floating around in the Los Angeles area. I'm going to do the rest of the podcast holding my nose. Is that going to be a problem? (laughs) (laughs) Or you take a Benadryl and you just get really sleepy. Boy. (laughs) I'm going to need you to take the wheel on this one. Um, Yeah. Well, and that's, that's that's what's so interesting about, like, for me... And these guys know this, but I didn't, I was so in I, I, what I can relate to about the sort of like that love of place is that I did feel that way about San Francisco. And yeah. for a long time, even though I felt like maybe I was supposed to be doing like, I really buried the performer in me and the kind of like art artist, which is sad because San Francisco ostensibly should be this place for great art and stuff, but it's yeah. very hard to survive in an expensive city it's so expensive without, now. you know, money. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and so I kind of buried that and like pursued other interests because I was so convinced that that's where I belonged. And it's really a strange feeling for someone like me and possibly for someone like you to like retrospectively look back and go, wow, that moment when your career passion like clicks in in a different way the question be it just becomes a different conversation you're having with yourself like yeah. suddenly the conversation is different it becomes like uh, like a relationship that you have with someone where you're like god this has been so great <laughs> and now there's this giant piece that i can't there's an elephant in the room which is i can't overlook this thing that's over there right yeah that may not have any of the stuff that you have but like i might have to fight you know what i mean yeah i don't know if i had um a, ever a conflict i but I didn't know it was a job. Like, I didn't know it was an option as a job. So I always did it. So it wasn't like I was struggling to do it or I was conflicted about doing it. I always did it. But I never, quote, I didn't choose it until later because I didn't even think it was an I didn't think it was a job. Is that just because, like, even in the schools you went, theater sports or that kind of stuff was just so pervasive that it was, like, built into your education in your life? Even no, like I mean, in- I did the... I, I started in a theater company right out of high school. Did you um, do theater in high school? Uh, yeah, but, like, yeah. musicals. Right. I did one musical, actually, and then uh, I started working in high school, and I couldn't do a show and work at the same time, so I dropped out. I think that was like the boyfriend or guys and dolls or whatever. I did Greece, of course. Great. Everybody's got to do it once. Uh, <laughs> Who were you in Greece? I was in the dancing chorus. I was a dancer okay. back then. I was more of like, you know, oh, dancer. I'm going to be in, um, I'm probably going to grow up and be in sting videos. So. Oh, amazing. <laughs> so that's, that's my. A, that's a specific goal. Yeah. And also. What sting videos had a bunch of dancers in them? Um, I just remember one Help like me. with a chair. Didn't wasn't there a one on a chair? Huh. People are googling furiously yeah. right now. I wonder because I'm trying to remember. Although now that I say it, I don't remember that many sting videos as much as I remember police videos. Interesting. I just we'll have remember, to find like, out. A girl dancing on a chair. I'm like, that done. That's guess that's what gonna I'm going to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love how specific and amazing that is. Did you take ballet too? Yeah, stuff I was a ballet a dancer. And yeah, and then um, there's a school in Chicago called Hubbard Street, not Hubbard Street, Lou Conti. I don't know if it exists anymore, but it was a school of the Hubbard Street Dance Company. And uh, I don't know, I just liked it. Is your brother also like artistically bent or is he? Uh, he, he drew a lot. Is he older or younger? He's older. 
Uh, How much older? Two years. Oh, I sent you that picture of cool me and my cool bro. Wait, all I have is oh, did it? Was it? Uh, did, was I? Did I need to scroll down past the? Um, it didn't load on my phone because I was looking oh, at it on my okay. phone. So the only picture that loaded was your portrait, which is just the best <laughs> thing I've ever seen. I sent a picture of cool me and my cool bro. Okay, cool. Um, oh, I'm very excited for that to load. But he looks like my little brother, um, but he's but he's two years older. And I'm sorry, what were you saying about his artistic? He we merits? he drew in the corners. Oh, of right, books right, right. And made, we we made animation and. Yeah, I don't... He does origami. That sounds racist, but he does. <laughs> does it? Uh, only because you said it suddenly <laughs> now it feels like it was. Because he had to, because we had know. to. He didn't even want to, but you know. But I dot, mean, dot, dot. I like to fold paper, but he does like this amazing... <laughs> I love origami. He does these, you know, amazing large pieces and like dinosaurs and stuff like that. And I just do, I do smaller stuff. What do you, what are your origami specialties? Um, I like, um, I like, he, I like, uh, like books, like doing intricate, small things that look like books or like animals or like my friend did a show where she was a nun. So I made a nun and I, you know, like you just like to, did you, did you, um, did you look up how to make a nun or did you improvise? Uh, I, well, yeah, you can, right now you can download patterns for pretty much anything, That's but so cool. before the internet, you would kind of do a base of what you think, you know, or the basic shape that you need. And then you would just kind of like make it up. You would do practice ones on the, on paper that you didn't like. So like, there was like a lot of black. Yeah. Ones Cause you're like, well, I know getting an black. origami packet of paper. Ooh, that's like more satisfying to me than getting like new crayons <laughs> or something. Right. Yeah. And you just use the, the gross colors first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I have to segue this it, with this, but I do now want to ask you how much a part of Japanese culture was like your upbringing. Like, did that? Did other things come into play? Like, where are, are your parents? Tell me about your parents and how they did, were they born, born are, and raised in Chicago? Yeah, my, my no, my they were both born and raised in Washington State. Um, they're second generation, so they went to Japanese school. But then after the war, they didn't speak any Japanese, so they forgot a lot. So. You know, it's hard to compare because it's when it's your childhood, you don't know any other different. But um, as I visited other Japanese American households, I realized we weren't that Japanesey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah. there were some elements. Uh, I I don't feel bad that I don't speak Japanese. I took Japanese a little for like a semester at UCLA, um, but I again forgot a lot. But I, 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 you know, I, my parents didn't speak Japanese. They were educated in, in um, obviously, in American yeah. schools. And they were both kids when the, the war broke out and they were interned. So God, that's so crazy. I think my mother was in seventh grade or whatever, and the war broke out. How long out. was she interned? So then, um, I think... And, there, and that happened in Washington State? Uh, no, they were... They, well, because they lived on the West Coast, they were interned. My dad was interned in... Uh, Northern California, my mother that was, was interned what I was about to guess. in Idaho, and then my grandfather uh, was interned in New Mexico, I think, or something like that, because he was he was a military Japanese former Japanese military. Oh wow, I'm sure they bit right down on that one. <laughs> so, did they talk? Was that a, a topic of conversation much? Like what their experiences were, and how long were they interned? Uh, I th- 
th- I think three or four years. God, that is bananas. <laughs> I'm so Are you grossed to- out by our country. Boy, that's a really educated way of putting <laughs> I'm it. I'm so grossed out. I'm by the- so grossed out. It's interesting because it's, as a kid, it's just sort of, I don't even remember the first time they I learned about it. But it was, um, I got two different pers- perspe- perspectives. My father really didn't talk about it a lot. Um, he was a, he was a little older than my mother, so I think it affected him differently. But, you know, he had to leave his dog behind. So mm. he, he basically never got over that. Yeah. Like, he just never got over that. I mean, I don't my, blame him for God's sake. My mother was like, well, it was the first time I went on a train. Oh, bless her heart. <laughs> sure, sure. Like, make it into something positive. Oh, and my she God. was like, you know, and when you're in camp, it was all Japanese people. And she's like, it was the most Japanese people I've and they ever didn't speak, seen in they my didn't life. Speak much Japanese. No, no way. Yeah. Her, her best friend was uh, this white girl in, in Seattle. And she's like, you know, there were mess halls so you could eat with your friends. You didn't so have to eat with your strange. parents. And she's like, and she cut school and she would go ice skating. And, you know, and then she, because she was in, interned in Idaho, she's like, we got to leave the camp and work in the potato field. So, you know, like oh she wasn't super sunny about it. Right. But I mean, um, but also like the way it's so interesting to see how obviously it goes back generations and like the way we're raised and whether we decide to, you know, respond to our environments the way we're raised or we take a totally different tack because that obviously didn't work or whatever. But it's so interesting to see how people choose to remember things that happened to them throughout their life, both good and bad. You know, what kind of lens do you put on it? And like, how much time do you spend agonizing over it? Not to say that you end up like, you know, canonizing it. Like it was amazing. (laughs) amazing. What a great time But to find those things (laughs) that feel like, well, that's what was happening to me. I, I, I lived through it. It could have been worse. And like, here's what I remember that, you know, I was still a kid. Like that's always so interesting too. It's like kids are much more resilient. Yeah. I remember her child and you're just experiencing this new reality in a way. Like I think she, my mother, but I think both my parents felt bad for their parents more because they're the ones that came here for a better life. And then they were living you know, in some desert behind bar- barbed wire. But have you if, ever seen where? Do you have any curiosity to like see where they've recreated a, a barrack at the Japanese American National Museum here in Los Angeles? But they also had an, a Smithsonian exhibit, and my mother and my aunt went, and they said it. They did. She, <laughs> I think my mother said like they did an amazing job. <laughs> <laughs> it looks exactly oh, like the barracks, wow. uh, <laughs> and so. Uh, yeah, it's as a kid, you're like, oh, shut up. I don't want to hear about the camps again. This is so boring. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. Because, yeah, of course we would be like that. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, later when you're in high school, you're like, mom, dad, this is so unfair. Aren't you mad about it? And then you're in college, you're like, I get it. I get it. This sort of, you know, this sort of hysteria, this war hysteria. Happens, you know, we just want to make sure it doesn't happen again. You know, yeah. like, so you go through all these phases <laughs> of your own acceptance and understanding like your own lens of what they went through it's so true so true i say having never had like my parents never went through anything like that but you know i do i completely agree that that's like even stuff that didn't happen to me personally or didn't happen to anyone i know it's so true the way you sort of like process right history and information like as you age and stuff it's so interesting oh my god and by the way, yeah, no, you don't have to feel a responsibility to speak Japanese. I wish that I could just because I think it's like a beautiful, great language that couldn't be further from yeah, what I do speak. And my cousin married, my cousin 
is Mormon and he served his mission in uh, in, in Japan. Japan and he met a Japanese girl there and they got married. So they have like two adorable half Asian kids, <laughs> like yeah. beautiful family. And they go back there all the time because her family's still there and he speaks fluent Japanese. And I feel like such the uncool cousin when you I have to go I mean I have I to go I'm have you been have you been I've never been yeah I'm a little scared to be completely honest <laughs> it what scares you about it because I'm because because I I know I'm I look like I you know yeah nobody's gonna like take there. it easy on you the way they yeah. would with someone like me who just shows up and clearly has no idea what's going on <laughs> <laughs> I think and my mom went my dad went once he was a a Fulbright scholar, and so he taught in um, Nagano. My mother went on vacation once, and this was this must have been maybe in the. It was after the war, obviously, so it must have been in the sixties, fifties, or sixties. And she said they weren't very nice to her, mm. and so I know it's different now. Yeah. Now they're obsessed with America, but you know, so I know it's going to be different. But that always sort of it sort of rings in the back of my mind. I get that. I um, totally get that. She one of the stories was that she talked. She asked the cop for directions, and her sort of like broken Japanese. And she said he was mean to her, or he didn't understand why she didn't speak Japanese. Like I get it. So I said to her, like, what if I go and I don't say anything? Mm-hmm. I just don't say anything. So it's like, so it's not like they can even detect a bad bad yeah. accent. She's yeah. like, they they can tell by the way you walk. That's probably true, right? I always think that too. Like, oh, listen, I, I when I'm in Paris, for sure, people don't know I'm American. <laughs> And yeah, it is like, they always say like, you just look at someone's shoes. Like somehow even shoes. Right. Or I'm sure Americans are the ones that are laughing the loudest. Yeah. Because they don't care that we'll be in a Paris cafe going, (laughs) I know. I have the loudest laugh in the world. It's so American. Like I'm so American. (gasps) Oh, well. Have you, did you do any kind of exchange student-y sort of stuff when you were younger? Did you have an interest in that? I... I know you asked for like, if you have any journal entries. Oh yeah, and stuff. I don't care if that. But I was like, thinking, most likely like, you why don't, didn't but. I? I didn't really do. I wrote letters in high school to my my best friend Connie, but I didn't really do journal entries. And then I was like, why didn't I do journal entries? And I was like, oh yeah, I was working constantly. Yeah. So <laughs> talk about that. So what what did you? So you really, you guys really didn't. Was it a choice based on you guys really needed that money as a family, or was it like you wanted to have extra income, or it was the value of work? Like, how did that? Because my dad, for example, we had no money, but my dad just want was like he was a teacher, and he was so. Fic- I remember him saying, "I really don't want you to get a job until you're done with school. Like, I, I will make do. Yeah, but you know, I'll find money to give you an allowance or whatever. But like, I just want you to focus on your academics and stuff." To which I, I, I was like, okay. Then I went off and was like smoking <laughs> pot. Like, yeah, for sure, I'm focusing on this. Got it, Dad. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think it was probably a combination. I think I, I, I wanted to work, but also I was in an environment where all my friends were working. I was a little younger, uh, and I remember there was a, you can get a job cleaning houses, but you had to be 12. Oh my God, and I was, that's so young. And you I was 11, and, but all my friends were going to interview, so I was like, I'm going to go too. It's, I, I, think I, I think I remember this because I, it was probably one of the first like big lies to an authority, an yeah. authority figure that I did, but I remember thinking like, I'm going to test 
I'd practice like what my real birth date was because I think I thought they were going to ask me what my birth. They never did, by the way. They're just like, okay, you're hired. Um, but I thought they were going to ask me what like what zodiac sign I was. Like, <laughs> you were so cause kid, yeah, because kids are like, they're probably going to ask me if I'm a Sagittarius, <laughs> and I got to know, no, I'm a Pisces. Oh, that's how I trick you. You better memorize all that. And by the way, also memorize Chinese chi- no, Chinese symbols too, because they could say what you're or you're the horse. Yeah, I'm like oh. Yeah. Uh, you're the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, oh, so, 11 so I started cleaning I'm houses stunned. and not obviously every day, but just during the summer. Mm-hmm. And once you start earning money, like for an 11 year old and you walk out of a house with like seven or ten dollars. Yeah, that seems huge, like a lot of money. Yeah, huge. I remember being glad to get ten dollars like babysitting when I was 16 or something. Yeah. And so I think I I like that. And it also gave me independence, I felt, because I can you know, buy a Snickers bar and not have to share it with my brother. I could just go to White Hen Pantry and get a Snickers and eat it myself. Mm-hmm. It's weird what your priorities are. Uh, what other one, What are you going to be like? And then I started putting away. You know, I opened an IRA when I was 12. It was great. I'm, I'm a millionaire. I did. I wish I did. Uh, I, th- I think I just liked work. I just, I think I just liked being out of the house. One year we couldn't get a job. And we were like, we were probably 13 maybe or something. And so we went and we were candy stripers at um, Weiss Memorial Hospital, which is crazy because you literally wear a striped apron. Yeah. And you push a candy cart and, you know, you're a child and they're like, so if a diabetic person asks for candy, you have to say no, here's some sugar-free options. And, oh, wow. But you're a volunteer, so they can basically make you do whatever they say. Yeah. And so you would sub in, like, will you sit in for this receptionist while she goes into work and stuff? But one of the things you had to do was fill in for the morgue person. Are and you, so you kidding had to go me? go in the basement. Are you kidding me no. right now? You had to go in the basement. And I don't know if anyone, you probably shouldn't have seen a hospital morgue, but it's not, it's not like a hallway of a hospital. It's a basement with like chain link fencing. (laughs) It's so scary for a kid and you had to go down there. It's scary for a grown up. And sit at the desk for an hour and cover the phone. (laughs) Or it was probably Did you one, see? It probably wasn't an hour. It was like I'm sure it felt like one. <laughs> probably it felt like four days. Yeah. Uh, Did you see like bodies and stuff? No, but I, I just tried it's to so stay creepy. in it. Yeah, it's almost worse knowing they're there somehow. It all is creepy to me. But they, you know, and you, or you could sit in the office and just staple stuff or file stuff all day, whatever they needed help with, whatever. But I, you know, I don't know. It's like I liked leaving the house. I liked mm-hmm. being busy. And also, aren't summers in Chicago? They can be really like hot, right? Hot. They can be really hot. Yeah, you want to be that inside. fun to yeah, because I was like that in Arizona. Like our summer vacations were the, the worst time of year in Tucson, Arizona, when it's 113 <laughs> degrees. You yeah. wish you were in school. You're like, I would rather be in school and like have fall free. Right. The weather gets nice, and that's when you go back to school. <laughs> it's so cruel. I think now they do do more year round school for that reason. And for other reasons, but like, you know, for lots of financial reasons too. But Should I use a coaster? Would have been nicer to. Eh. Is it, is it, you it's can, a nice. This, it's a, it's a such really a nice, nice mid century book I have not yet read. That's a young adult book. Um, YA. Here. Like it never happened. Um, Did you read a lot when you were younger? Uh, I mean, you have glasses on right now, so I so have to assume you're smart. Is that the clue? <laughs> and you're Japanese. <laughs> Let's get right down to it. 
I, I probably didn't read as much as I should have. Uh, Dude, were you like, what were you really into when you were in high school? Just the, was it just dance and theater and stuff? Something happened in high school. I was uh, really, really smart. <laughs> and I like school. that you used it in past tense. I was, I was just super, super smart, and uh, I didn't study extra or anything. I didn't do anything extra. I just tested really well. And um, in fifth and sixth grade, I went. I was basically bused to uh, another school. And there's nothing worse than making a smart kid feel more like an outsider yeah. than making them go to an actually separate school. So they literally pulled you out and were like, "We're going to stick you in this other place." Yeah, it was called a classical program. Or whatever. is that why you were younger than your friends too? Do you skip a grade? I or skipped did you- a grade. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then and then I went to this special school for smart kids and, and then, you were taking ballet and then i was singled out at that oh, school scissors. so it was a really solitary experience i did a lot of stuff by myself and yeah. for one class i got it they got they ordered me like a college textbook and i sat in the hallway by myself oh my god i never had to hand in homework they're just like just read the you know just answer the questions for yourself How anyway, about that <laughs> so I really fought against that. That was just, I hated that. I and just, your parents were just like, listen, this is for your own good. You're just And my too dad smart. was a teacher. So he's yeah. like, you're going here. Yeah. And so. Were uh, you lonely? I mean, did kids look at you in that sort of way? They were just like, yeah, you're different from us. And also my brother was the same way. So I'm coming into school two years, or I mean, a year after my, my brother. And it's that guy's little sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah identity stuff like we're yeah there's yeah, a lot of identity stuff super there. smart guys that's his sister <sighs> yeah, yeah so then you know high school started and i was like this is i don't i just want to be normal and so i kind of i kind of dumbed myself down while simultaneously uh you know, experimenting with drugs and alcohol while also like, you know what? I just, I think I'm going to go to full time. I'm going to work at this pizza place full time so that I'm completely exhausted. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I always, I, I, it's not like I love money, but there was something about having my own income that I, I had to. It makes do, sense if I you guess. got used to it. If, if it was just something everyone else was doing and that was sort of the culture of your friendships and stuff to start that young, yeah. I mean, my God, like money was a big, it's a big deal as you're, when you're a child, like getting a lot. It's like I got paid a dollar. Yeah. I think I had, if I made my bed in the morning, well, there's no way I was making like $7 a week, but I, for, there was a point at which I certainly got docked a dollar of my allowance if I didn't make my bed that morning. Like money started mattering early yeah. and being able to like buy your own candy and all that kind of stuff. I had a lot of friends with money. I definitely remember like taking whatever amount of money i think all kids do like it's a big deal that you you know save up your change and save up your bucks yeah once you have taste of that i could totally see how it just kind of grows from there as you get older and also when you now i know you're money obsessed you're (laughs) You're soulless you're a soulless person you become really conscious of like clothes and what other people have for the first time and i didn't have any of that and you know my mother couldn't my mother was like a single mother and she was a nurse so uh so she didn't make a lot so i i wanted the for selfish reasons like i wanted a gas you know jeans from the gap so i had to i would worked and you know get it myself and i i wanted to be a dancer i auditioned for the high school of performing arts in chicago called the academy and i got a scholarship and my dad's like no <gasps> so oh. i went he sent me to this 
he sent me to this place called Lane Tech, Lane Tech, Lane Technical High School, which is basically it's college preparatory, but it's a trade school. Mm-hmm. So how old opposite? Are, how opposite. old are you when you're a freshman? Like 11, 14. 12, 14? But you and I were probably 13 if you skipped a grade because I skipped kindergarten, which is not really great. <laughs> but yeah, I was 13. I turned so you're 13. You're kind of discovering that you're a girl, like a, a girl and that you like boys and that you want to look nice for the first time. But all freshmen have to take wood shop, electric shop, machine drafting, architectural oh drafting. Oh and then you have to claim God. like two majors. And mine was foundry, which is metal casting. So... So you had a crush on a guy in your foundry class, but you had to wear safety glasses. Oh. And, but he never saw you out of yeah. safety glasses, yeah. the guy that you liked. And you had to wear an apron with red clay on the front. Amazing. So, God, so were you doing like welding and stuff? And the welding kind of was thing? another major. I can't. But did you ever do it? Uh, no. I, well, I mean, so, I welded talk about myself, on. but not, yeah. not at Lane. Yeah. My major was auto shop and foundry. Oh my God, Susie! There was. I can't believe I just got into this. Forty minutes in, I find out that you were working on cars. (laughs) Yeah, you had to work, and the principal, of course, would drop off his car and get free work done. Oh my God! And I, you know, it was it was awful for me at that time, but now I'm really, really grateful. Really, are you are you handy now in that way? I can do my own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like how much of it? I installed my own garage, electric garage door opener. I installed dimmers in my house. I do light electrical work, but if it's like mounting something that I need two people, then I'm not going to do it myself. Yeah. Um, I have a small wood shop in my garage. I I love it. I can make small things. Yeah. um, Just because you're exposed to power tools at such a young age. I feel, I wish I would have taken more advantage in college of my theater. Like, because when I finally, because I, I was that kid who was like, ugh, I can't believe it. Like, I put shop off till the end. You know what I mean? It's like I got all my performance credits done. And then the stuff, that, that's not true. I did love costume construction. So I was into like, and makeup loved like theatrical, not like just bl- making yourself look pretty, but like yeah. I super loved yeah. like making gashes in your face. And that's right. I was obsessed with making my, like, like drag kinging myself. Like, I always felt like I looked like dudes. So I would get really excited <laughs> about like, and then I put this stipple effect on my chin. So it looked like it I had stubble. Like four o'clock stairs. But, but like the, the shop of it all, I definitely was like, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I don't think I was like prissy about it. I was just like, I'm clumsy. Like I'm going to hurt myself. I this think it needs to be well. introduced at the age that I was introduced to it. I think I wish that I would have. I wish that I would have. And then I loved it. I love yeah. shop. I love making stuff. And I asked about welding because I never would have thought that I would have been that into like cutting metal and welding. Yeah. It was like the biggest rush I've ever had in a classroom. Cutting metal, the (laughs) sound and the sparks and like, not to be like a pyro, but like feeling those little prickles of sparks Mm -hmm. on your skin. I was like, I am, I might be a genius. Like I was doing nothing. I was, I think I was literally cutting like a lead pipe or something. (laughs) And I was like, I am a tradesman. (laughs) It's very satisfying. It's very yeah, different. It is. Tactile. Yeah. And the sense of accomplishment when you've like done or fixed something on your own. I yeah, think it's fantastic. For sure. I when I installed my ceiling fan, uh, it was very difficult because I had actually I broke I my hand slipped and I 
put a hole in the drywall. So I had to patch that first before yeah, it took did. forever. And it was really frustrating. And you have to turn the electric off so you don't get electrocuted. So yeah. my AC was off. So I was on a six foot ladder, like with drywall Sweating on my face, storm. like crying. going. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's been working for 10 years now. and I cannot be happier because well done. But at the time, tough. Yeah. yeah that would be hard with the safety glasses and the apron and the boy you had a crush on. So what was your love life like when you were in high school? Oh, I, are you kidding me? Non-existent. Non-existent. Was it? No. Really? Never. Even with the drug and alcohol uh, no. playing around? No. I, I was, I was, I, I can't speak for other people, but I think I was sort of viewed as like a, a <laughs> not gender specific like just sort of yeah. ambiguous, sexually ambiguous yeah. gender, gender. I was the girl androgynous. that like just worked all the time. She was always tired and always uh, falling asleep on the bus and falling asleep in class. Oh that gosh. was me. Yeah. How did you work full time? It wasn't How 40 was hours. It was only yeah. 30 hours, but I would work, to, you know, to, that's full time, especially for a student. Yeah. So you, the shift started at four o'clock and then, uh, you'd only work till maybe 10 or 11. And then on weekends, we closed at you know one a.m. or Good whatever. So you only worked at midnight, whatever. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I liked it. I don't yeah. know how I graduated high school. I kind of graduated by the skin of my teeth because I was always like, uh-huh. like <laughs> always like famous for sleeping on the train and then like missing my stop, like just always oh falling gosh. asleep. Uh, Snoozy Nakamura, yeah, did they call you for sure? Did they? Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate myself. For like thinking for one second, <laughs> I think I might have stumbled on something she's never yeah. heard before. I don't just don't think a guy's going to develop Marnie. any sort of feelings or crush on the girl that's constantly nodding off. Oh, uh, did you have secret? So you had secret crushes. I mean, you obviously oh, yeah. had a crush on the auto shop guy oh, or the foundry sure. guy. Oh my god, I like fell in love probably easily, like super hard, like crush. Like, did how- you stalk anyone in a gentle way? Um. I remember I went to a lot of basketball games or tried to go to a lot of basketball games because I liked one of the basketball players. But, you know, if you don't have any interaction with with a guy that not just members of the opposite sex, but sex, but a guy that you like, then then you what do you do? Right. Well, you could stalk them. You just show up. Yeah. And then go. Yeah. I don't mean stalk like you interact with. I just remember like. I remember like a guy in high school that I had a crush on that and I was I guess I was very fairly confident. I mean, I was kind of weird, but like I was confident enough in like being a wise ass, I guess, that it wasn't <laughs> like I was afraid to talk to him. But there definitely was like I think I was a freshman or a sophomore and there was a senior that I really liked and I knew he had a girlfriend. So it wasn't like I wanted to make it happen, <laughs> but I definitely remember like now I'm creeped out to think about it, but I feel like I got like a real good sense of his schedule. <laughs> you know what I mean? And when the yearbook like, comes out, you look at all of the pictures. Yeah. Oh, for, no, I like wrote comments, like little snide, but like loving comments about him because I think he was on the yearbook committee his senior year. So we managed to get in all of the pictures. <laughs> okay. And uh, and like, but yeah, I was like very aware of his schedule. I knew like how much time I had between my classes. Like oh. if I go down this hallway, I'll see big. him. You Lane know what Tech I mean? was like, and I was in a big school too. So I must've been real committed to it. Yeah. You must've <laughs> it, cause the, the, because, because of the first floor was all shop classes. Um, it's basically like the first floor was super high ceilings. Cause you know, we had a print shop too, that printed our own yearbook and we had a machine shop of and course in did. the foundry room. Like you had to, we had to pour the molten metal from like That's these so big crazy. rigs from the ceiling. 
So did anyone ever get hurt with their accidents? I don't remember any. Seems like probably not then. Yeah, I don't remember. You probably remember if there was some horrible. But it, you know, it's a big school. It's like five thousand kids. So I bear. I don't think I've. I think I saw my brother once or twice. Also, how would you ever have the energy to stalk someone? You were so exhausted, <laughs> you could barely walk from class to class. Yeah, I was too tired. Your moments of romance were existing in your during your naps. Yeah, in your in your dreams. I I think I had a bet with my friend that I would that I wouldn't even kiss a guy in high school. And uh, I won. I won that bet. <laughs> well, you knew how to make the most of that. Uh, you <laughs> knew right. to really profit from your, your odds. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you got, so that's, that was your entire high school experience. But you did get into theater. But you couldn't, you had to drop out because you were working full time. I did. Yeah, I did one. And then post high school. Post high school, I joined a theater company and uh, started doing shows. I, I was lucky enough to do, do a play like right after high school. Um. It was, I don't even, I'm so glad there was no like YouTube back then because I was, aren't we all? I think I was 17 playing a 24 year old who killed herself on stage. Oh my. And I thought I was so good. (laughs) Yeah, death scenes. So good. Boy, when you're younger, you like really hope that you have to die in a scene. And then when you're a grown up and you're actually hired to be an actor, you're like, please God, let me never have to die. Just the idea of watching a 17 year old thinking they're coming off as 24 and killing themselves is mortifying (laughs) to me. Like I, (sighs) and no self-doubt, just like, I'm going to blow these yeah. people's minds right now Here as I go. shove these Tic Tacs in my mouth. <laughs> Wait, I like that. So I'm assuming that was because you overdosed in the yeah. thing. Yeah. What you, the, here's what just popped into my head because it's how my brain works. In my head, something happened where <laughs> the Tic Tacs somehow during your death scene you spit them out like they were your teeth <laughs> because that's what i used to do with tic tacs is like pretend to get punched in the like a friend would pretend to punch mm-hmm. me in the face and i would spit out white tic tacs like oh my god i just so stupid <laughs> i love that that's what i thought for a second like oh what death scene was it Did you get shot in the back and like it made your teeth pop out like the weirdest tic tac logic that i just had my tooth, my famous death tooth bit. Oh my god! Well, she took uh, no, her yeah, own it's teeth. Be, it was supposed to be OD. Oh I got god. him out of like a prescription bottle. Sure you all did. That stuff. Sure you did. Oof. And when did the comedy stuff come in? Because that's what I, that's what I'm always interested in. From like and everything you're describing. Like were you like? It sounds like you were too sleepy and busy <laughs> to be a cut up even in class. Like to be like the wise ass. Uh, or were you? I was kind of. Um, I guess I started that, I guess, like an auto shop in particular, because I didn't like my auto shop teacher. So me and Peter Ehrlich would kind of like partner up and give him grief. Yeah. But then Peter Ehrlich tried to uh, hold up like an undercover cop over the summer in front of the Adelphi Theater and was shot and killed. Oh, my God. I know. I know. That, what a lot of I have a lot of death in my life. Really? Yeah, which is so. Which means that I was sort of destined to to go into comedy just yeah. to deal with it. Do you mind if I ask what else happened? Um, my prom date's dead. My parents are dead. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to laugh. No, no. I just laughed at the fact that I super brought the room down just now. No, but um, you know, uh, and when I was a kid, we had an upstairs neighbor that was my babysitter, and she was. She got murdered. Holy shit. I, I'm, 
I'm not laughing because I'm uncomfortable. No, I'm laughing because we're all fine with the it. way it sounds. It, it yeah. sounds crazy. I yeah. I know what it sounds like. Uh, but yeah, you our, can't. But you can't control the things that have happened to you. you no, know, they happened. It, Good it, lord! But I also feel that there is a common thread for people who go into comedies. They've had super shitty childhoods, like just <laughs> for one reason or another. for one reason yeah. or another. And and I think if you grow up. And I know people like, have you ever had this? People try and bond with you by saying how shitty their life was also or like how drafty their house was or how shitty their car was where they don't realize, to me, they don't know that poor people don't have houses or cars. (laughs) It's hard when you don't have, yeah, there's no point of reference. I'm sure I've been guilty of that. I feel like I walk around like, the most privileged white person who didn't feel in any way privileged because we had no money. Like I went and collected welfare with my mom, but like we had a car to get there. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, it's, it's, it's varying degrees. You never know who you're going to interact with and you never know what someone else's experience was. And so I, I think I carry around the expectation of like, Oh God, if I try to relate to someone, (laughs) I'm going to be that person that people are like, why don't you go fuck yourself? (laughs) But as a kid, you don't know, you know, either, especially if all you were like, all of my friends were raised by single mothers. Like I didn't know really anyone that well, there's a girl that was actually raised by a single father, but I mean, you yeah. know, and I felt lucky because at least I knew where my dad was and my two best friends didn't even know where their dad was. So I felt like I was, priv- I was the privileged one. Yeah. It's all, <laughs> all relative. It's all relative. But I, I don't know. Like it's, I think childhood sort of protects you from certain things. Uh, because they make great stories later, but I don't feel like I struggled or anything. Um, and I think my mom was smart enough to be very honest with us, um, you know, about what happened in our neighborhood and that kind of stuff. She well, would, When did you lose her? Oh, my mother? Yeah. Uh, she died in 94 and my dad died in 95. To- so totally right, unrelated to Totally unrelated. And I, I was actually thinking about moving to Los Angeles. And then they both died. I was like, well, what can I lose? I'm, <laughs> what's the worst thing that they can did happen? That so, they died so that I could go to Los Angeles. What, what happened to them? My mother died of cancer and my dad had a heart attack. Fucking A. And so it was, I mean, it's so weird to equate their death with my decision to move to Los Angeles. And it, it wasn't a direct influence, but it wasn't unrelated. Sure. You How know? can anything be unrelated? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> probably everything's going to relate somehow to, like, a profound loss, whether or not... I mean, we're joking about it now, but, like, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, and I it's see, not going to not influence, like, or not, you know? I see other people, like, now, you know, they are flying back because their parents are sick or they're old or whatever, and I feel like, I don't... You know, like, it would have been so hard for me to leave. Uh, and, you know, with both of them dead, especially at that moment where you're, like, kind of grieving, where you're just like, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's such a big leap to move out to Los Angeles. I think in my head, I, I had to be there in my head to actually do that. We're like, yeah, I'll do it. That and also like, you, you know, nothing reminds us of our because most people at that age don't. Ha- I think that's the one thing, and I, I I've had I, I don't want to say many, but I've had a fair number of women, the p- people who listen to this podcast know, who've done the podcast, who've lost family members at a very young age. And I do think that the unexpected gift of that is 
whether you hold on to it all the time is like a sense of urgency or like an understanding of mortality in a way that most teenagers do not have. I certainly didn't have it. I didn't have a sense of whether I had a lot of time or a little time or whether it even mattered, all of that kind of stuff of just like, it's not like as a teen, we always like joke around as adults saying like, oh, teenagers, they think they're immortal. And I think that suggests that we have any idea one way or the other I don't think we're thinking about death at all. I no. think we, th- I thought I was like, I was wearing black. I'm listening to depression on the sure. cure and stuff. How's, how's your black fingernails? You know what I mean? I have my black <laughs> fingernails. Like I had a friend try to kill himself, but like what that meant to me then doesn't mean, I'm sorry guys, I've been talking about death a lot on the podcast cause it's something I'm fascinated by, but, uh, but it's also the root of a lot of humor. It's a root and it is absolutely the root of a lot of humor. And there is a sense of like, all right there. Well, that just happened maybe I should go like I should maybe this is a thing I might need to do like now because who fucking knows what's headed my way and you know and 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 absolutely I feel like I have been at my funniest sometimes when like I'm the most bro like I'm at the point where I'm the most raw and like yeah I thank god for that even this morning I had a horrible dream last night and I woke up from it and uh and I told my boyfriend that I had had, you know, I was like, oh my God, I just had this dream. I never have bad dreams. And I just had this weird dream this morning because I like woke up and it was too early to wake up and I went back to sleep. And sometimes those are the weirdest dreams. Yeah. Like, cause you're, you, you think like, that. I already woke up, so I must be awake. This is really happening. <laughs> and I had a dream that I was on my bike and I lost control and I lost and my brakes stopped and I was up in Griffith Park and I just flew off a cliff. Oh, God. And I don't have those dreams. Like, I really don't have those kinds of dreams. And I had this moment. These guys are going to laugh because I, one of the girls who listens to the podcast all the time is a friend of mine wrote and was like, you sure are talking about death a lot. How are you doing with that, Jules? Um, but, uh, but I had this moment in the air where I, like, I, it, like, it was a short enough period of time, but in the dream, sorry to monologue, but I was like, um, oh, maybe I know this is happening. Maybe I will just fall and break something and I'll roll down the hill and that's going to suck, but like I'll be alive. Mm -hmm. And in the dream, I looked and I had flown so far off the cliff. It was like, I might as well have been like in a small plane looking down at like a township below me. I mean, it was so high. And then that, and then I had the moment of realization, like, I'm not going to survive this. Like I, that sentence hung in the air. Like it was a cartoon bubble coming out of my mouth. I was like, I'm not going to survive this. And I was so sad. I mean, I really just woke I and and wow. my and I opened my eyes and I was awake and I was so sad. Oh my god. And so relieved. But anyway, like I you know, I woke up my boyfriend and was like, you know, I I had the, I just had a horrible nightmare. I need you to just I just I this doesn't happen to me very often. I just had this dream that I almost died and um and I'm, I'm so sad and he was like, "Yeah, but you are alive." And even in that moment when I was feeling so sad, I was like, "No, I mean I'm sad because I I woke up and it wasn't real." <laughs> Just as a joke, you know what I yeah. mean? And he was like, "Oh my, that's very dark." But like, I'm sorry to make that a long no, story, you but gotta to find be the joke. able to joke about that shit, like yeah. I've had times when I've been in the hospital and I've been so grateful that I can make a joke. Yeah. If not for me, then for someone else who's upset in that situation. You know what I yeah. mean? I've been there. I did. I mean, I feel some of my greatest jokes was at my was um, at my mother's deathbed. Amazing. I really feel like I, I mean, I really was on fire. You know, no one, no one appreciated it. <laughs> oh, no, no one. <laughs> oh my god! And I wasn't hacky. I was just there. Real thoughtful. Sure. Good setups. Sure. Everyone knew. Everyone knew the setup. But oh god. You know, that's right. It was a tough room. 
<laughs> Suzy Nakamura. But at Amazing. one point, my brother goes, "Does everyone everything have to be a joke with you?" And I go, "Yeah, Fair. yeah, it kind of does." Fair to ask. Fair for you to answer that. It's we're all cut differently. Like you need to know that about me. I, I, I might be irreverent, but I'm never going to be disrespectful. I, I feel. Yeah. I think a lot of people in comedy, you know, have that guide for themselves wherever that line is yeah but i mean i i i i don't know i struggle i see where he's coming from um but i also know that there's a lot of people that have to do that to cope yeah and i think a lot of laughs come from the truth too and sometimes people are uh uncomfortable with that yeah i don't know I, I do. I yeah. I wasn't making fun of anyone. I was, and I wasn't even trying to make anyone laugh. I just saw opportunities. <laughs> I don't think you can even. Yeah, it's solid like, jokes in a weird, <laughs> fucked up way. Those are the moments when you know when people talk about like I don't know how I made this beautiful thing, and and some people who believe in God say it must have been God channeling through me. People who don't believe in God or the, whatever that energy or matter is outside mm-hmm. of themselves just believe that they tap into something that's so innate and intuitive that they're not that it's happening in the moment. That's what's so great about improv. And I feel like those moments, I don't even, I mean, I'm speaking for you now so that you can tell me to shut up, but it's not even that you're like sitting there crafting it and having a conversation with yourself about whether it's appropriate. That shit's coming. Yeah. It's just coming. It's just intuitive. And that's not something you can really, that's hard to change. So why not embrace it? And, but it's understandable when someone else whose brain absolutely doesn't work that way goes, I see you at like, I would have to think hard about the things you're saying and I would choose not to say them because that's me. How are you yeah. making peace with this? You're, and it, to me, feels like it's not even, we're just, it's a different, my brain is different chemistry. My know? brother and I are very different though. But he, he has a great sense of humor though. He, 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 I felt relieved because when my dad died, um, they brought him out and he was in like a hospital gown and then they hand you a bag with all the stuff that they found him in, like his clothes. So I handed the bag back to the um, funeral director and I said, could you please dress him, you know, first? I just don't like the idea of him being cremated in a hospital gown. And of course, the guy's like, yes, of course, I totally understand. I go, you understand, right? It's just like, and the guy goes, yes, you know, by the way, everyone kisses your ass when, you know, at a funeral home. Uh, so I go, thank you so much. Thank you. You know, and they also give you like a little velvet bag with the stuff in his pockets or whatever. So my brother and I go out into the parking lot. He doesn't say anything the whole time. We go on the parking lot and we're at the rent a car and he goes, uh, what makes you think that guy's going to dress dad back up in his clothes? And I go, because that's his job. And he goes, he's not going to do it. And I go, yes, he's going to do it. I, I'm the client. I'm a customer. He, he has to do whatever I say. And then my brother mimes opening an oven door, shoving my father's body in, and then throwing the bag in after. Oh, my <laughs> And we started laughing so hard in a funeral home's parking oh, lot. shit. And, like, then it becomes the church giggle where, like, oh, yeah. you know you're not yes. supposed to be laughing in a... In front of, God, and those are the best. There's other clients they coming so in. so good to laugh two, at hard. like... Yeah. young people like laugh shaking laughing oh. was awful slash fantastic yeah but that was a relief to me it was like okay he he has a sense of humor got it that is as dark as mine possibly yeah 
That is nice. God. And also just good to have, like, I'm an only child. And so I can't imagine it would, it's got to be good to have somebody that is experiencing the literal same loss yeah. as you versus yeah. like feeling completely like uh, ultimately, you know, like, oh, I'm totally alone in this. But. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Um, listen, I don't want to, but we are at an hour and I do have a, a mash game that I want to play with you, which is, couldn't be the more opposite of talking about death. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, you know, we'll do a little palate cleanser. I'm just going to grab one of these cootie catchers. Uh, speaking of origami, folded okay. uh, items. Oh, fun. Um, let me just go ahead and I'm going to pull this one out. Uh, I don't, I didn't make these, so I don't remember what any of the questions ever are. Okay. So we'll just see if we're retreading old ground. If it's like, what was the saddest thing that happened to you? You're like, <laughs> I think we covered that, guys. But um, let's see what we come up with. Pick a color. Um, green. G-R-E-E-N. Pick a number. Two. One, two. Another number. I can tell the numbers. Uh, one. One, and then last number. Four. Four, okay. Four. Oh, if you were an only child, did you want siblings or vice versa? That's interesting that we just said that. Um, did you, was there ever a time when you were like, I wish I didn't have a brother? Well, the weird thing is, is my brother and I were separated when we were kids. Oh. Um, which is weird because I don't really know why. Uh, I think, I think my parents gave us reasons at the time, but, and it made sense. But looking back, when I see like my niece and nephew, I'm like, God, I would never separate them. Yeah, I would never separate them for how long? When we were how old? Uh, I think I might have been ten, and Gary was twelve. 12 yeah. So it was weird. So we, so he lived with my dad, and I lived with my mom, and I would see him. We went to the same high school. I would see him on the halls, but it got to a point where like we didn't even acknowledge each other anymore so i had to basically re-meet him again like later like you know uh maybe we were in college or stuff like like that but by the time but by the time my mother died my mother died and so i saw him at the hospital a lot and i said you know what gary we're we we're all each other i mean we only have each other so we need to keep in touch and we've been really bad about it um so let's do that and he's like yes i agree or whatever and then over the course of the year, that sort of just sort of faded away and we lost touch again. And then my father died. To spite you both. <laughs> He's like, I'll show them for not being in touch with each and other. And I had to like, if I didn't know like what his work number was or anything, I basically had to find him and I called him and I said, dad just died. You need to come over. And he was okay. Oh boy. Where do you live? <laughs> like it got that bad. Wow. <laughs> wow. It got really bad. How about now? Now it's, We've had moments where, like, uh, you know, like I would see him at Christmas and it's nice, but then we, it's just so awful. You never know. I mean, we, like, different siblings, different relationships. Yeah. You just never know. I love him. Yeah. I don't know him as well as I want to, but uh, I feel like I, there was, I've had experienced both. Like, I, I have, yeah. a, I've had a sibling and then I've also felt like I've been on my own. That's such a great, that ended up being such an interesting, specific for, question for you to get of yeah. all people. <laughs> I know. Well, that's, that was clearly your mom or your dad from heaven. Yeah. Well, now you can tell me anytime when I'm now like, like I feel safe, like, oh, we're both broke and this is great. I'm going to make jokes. A different podcast, somebody else who's like uh, very upset about losing their parents, I will be bawling my eyes out. So I want you to know that all of the irreverence that's happening right now is all your fault. Yeah, totally. My, I'll take it. I'll take the hit. I'm, I'm asking you to apologize. To <laughs> no, I'm sorry if anything I said was just no, too no, callous. No. Uh, Hopefully we cleared the air and you know that uh, 
I will sit here and talk about how tragic it is as well because my heart will absolutely shatter if we go that, that down that road. We're not going to. No. Because we're going to play MASH. Okay. You remember this game? No. Mansion, apartment, shack, house. Could be you were snoozing on the train when everybody okay. else was doing this. But uh, I'm, I'm going to ask for three uh, things from a bunch of different categories. Then we're going to do like a little count and then I'll be like, okay, you ended up like in the old days would be like, you drive this car. I oh, got it. You live in this place. With this, da, 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 this is your job. This is how many kids you have. That's what you, that's what it used to be. Uh, I like to customize the categories a little bit. Nice. So you, the first category is going to be you build something entirely mm-hmm. from scratch. It's not difficult. It's a joy. It's you using all of your handy skills uh, without any moments of like crying. And okay. you step back and there are three things uh, that you have made completely like on your own. And what are they? Yeah. Like, what would it be satisfying for you to be like, yeah, I built this house or. Um, I'm going to say um, a chicken coop, but like a mid-century or a craftsman style, like a really nice yeah. chicken coop designed well, like logically. Yeah. For easy. Like an egg chicken removal. Coop. Yeah. And like just easy cleaning. Love it. I want things that, to come off and you could take it. Yeah. Um, oh, out of any material, right? Not yeah, just wood. Yeah, it could be anything. Um, <laughs> something, some electronic device, because I used to solder as a kid, solder like s- electric circuits. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I don't want to do like a, I don't want to make a color television, but I would like like to make some sort of like electronic gadget. What about like a robot? Yeah. Like I'd love to make a, like, like a wire, a little robot. Great. Remote control robot. Um, and then the third thing would be, uh... Uh, I, I don't know. I love houses. I'd like to make a dog great. house. Oh, that's great. Like a mini house, but with like roofing, maybe a little porch. Love it. Did you ever build like models or anything? Uh, that seems too easy for you. I Yeah, I, my brother, both my brother and I did those, um, you know, he did like a lot of planes and stuff, models, mm-hmm. model planes, and I did like cars. That's great. Oh my God, we were... Just weird kids. Oh, I love it. I love how specific it is. It's it's. I think so. It's, I'm so impressed by it. Um, <clears throat> okay. You are. <clears throat> I don't even know how much television or movies you ever even watched. So this is like a long shot. But um, I'm going to incorporate a question that someone suggested to me recently. Uh, okay. A listener suggested. And also something I like to do. So in this case, this is like you get to be in a classic television show three like you know you're somehow magically you're on murphy brown or somehow magically you're on cheers or somehow you know what i mean or like la law or something like that like three that would series would be fun to have been on um for sure happy days love it because the al was like the first asian american person at marita yeah, and I was like, I could be his daughter. Yeah, there you go. But I didn't know they were in reruns and that they had shot it like a yeah, long time ago. Too. And Al was a lot older now. Yeah. Um, I definitely was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to marry Peter Tork from the Monkees. <laughs> I'm that... pretty sure if he looks like, does he still have Even though hair? I was like 10 years old and he's, yeah. even when he was like 25, yeah. still like a 15 year difference, then I find out he's like 50. <laughs> <laughs> 
And also, why Peter? But anyway. Uh, okay, Happy Days is great. And for my brother, because he always loved Friends, and for a, the longest time, he didn't understand what I did, but he knew, but he loved Friends, so I would have loved to have been on Friends right. to, to, so that he could see it. Love it. Um, and then uh, I'm, I'm just going to say, uh, I, it's a toss-up between the Brady Bunch and Three's Company. Both great choices, but I'm gonna I'm I'm just I'm gonna go uh, Three's Company. Great, love it. Great answers. I'm glad I asked that question. Um, next one is uh, got to go with you've got a second home uh, anywhere in the world, vacation home three. Um, the first one is in I'm gonna say in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I applaud that. I've always well. loved Ashland, Oregon. Yeah. And then, because they, they have the Shakespeare Festival and all that stuff, but it's also like, you know. Organic farming. Yeah. Yeah. It's just hippy-dippy enough for me. Agreed. Uh, I can't believe I said that without the iced tea spilling <laughs> all the way down. My face. The second one has got to be um, uh, Upper Peninsula, Michigan, maybe. Great. I haven't really left the country, have I? American I'm going to say the third or... one's in Italy. Great. Any particular, like on the coast? Tuscany? Not to name drop, but I um, I got to sit with Alan Rickman after one of his shows in Dublin yeah. because he was a friend of mine, and he said he has he had this place in Italy who he offered to my friend, the friend I was with because they're friends. And he described it. He goes, oh, you know, you can go up there, live there, and write if you want. There's, and he oh. talked about the world around it. And like also this, it's Alan Rickman. And the market. Like and, you know, and, yeah. And this, the, what's around there. And it's like, I have no idea where that is, but there. Alan, in Alan, Alan Rickman's <laughs> Italian <laughs> villa. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, this is great. Um, okay. Uh, this so this is the uh, akin to uh, the television show, but it's more in the realm of fantasy, which is um, a film or a book three that um, you actually can go into. Like it's real, like it becomes real in some way, and you can just dive in, a la Mary Poppins jumping into the chalk drawing whenever you want to. Oh, so I can choose three books that I can mm-hmm, go three in. Three books or three films, like whichever or a combination of both. Um, I want Rushmore. Great. Agreed. Um, I, I think I just, I think I'm attracted to movies that look like comic books to me because I, I, this sounds stereotypical now, but my brother and I read so many comic books. Like, so. This is also good information for me. Non-stop. Non-stop. We once went on vacation to a family house in Seattle and we never left and we just read comic books and we never left the basement amazing we were, we were the worst cousins <laughs> like weird cousins and they're like you should go outside anyway um so the fifth element looks like a comic book to me yes it does <laughs> um what a colorful adventure you would have there yeah and i just saw now i'm picking two wes anderson films but i just saw the grand budapest the grand budapest you know because every single one of his movies is like being in a work of art yeah also has like a tremendous amount of emotion somehow in, inherently tied in i get it and i agree i feel that way about tenenbaums like i want to live in that new york <laughs> yeah i want to live in the new york where i have like it's... i keep a falcon and i'm up on the top of my strange house on the upper east or west side i can't remember brilliant 
Okay. Great to know about comic books. Uh, three super superpowers. Um, uh, invisibility. Mm-hmm. Duh. Um, I'm going to say, uh, I don't know what, you, what the power is called, but the ability to inflict <laughs> real specific pain. Uh-huh. Like, ins- like voodoo doll pain. Yeah. The power of voodoo doll pain. <laughs> voodoo doll pain uh, in someone else. Great. Nothing crippling, but just so that they're in the bank line, they're like, ow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's real helpful. <laughs> Uh, and I'm going to say um, breathing underwater. Yeah. God, I never would have thought much about that one way or the other. These guys know. I just talked about it for a second in my, impro- in my intro last week, and I won't waste any time talking about it here right now, except to say I never had been snorkeling, and I finally went this last week. Mm-hmm. Yes, I feel like a douchebag for never having gone. But like, it just wasn't something that was ever offered up to me. No one offered it up to me. People who have spent a lot of time doing it look at me askance and are like, really? Your first time, huh? But I (laughs) thought I wasn't, I just don't equate myself. I just didn't think I was like the underwater person. And I now feel like I want to do that as much as possible. It was an amazing experience. Yeah, and you have... And now, but I really wish I could breathe underwater because I... It's the first time with the snorkel And there's these places like, you can go that's where it's clear and there's stuff to look at and, you know... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah. And I really wish now... Like, this means something different to me than it would have a week ago. I would have <laughs> yeah. been like, oh, right, right, so, right. right. So the whole breathing underwater thing. two-hour showers? Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> definitely what I would have assumed. Um, my personal favorite, can't, can't not do it. Uh, three foods you can have access to the snap of fingers. And also, they have no negative ramifications to your health in any way. Um, popcorn. Great. I'm going to say popcorn again. Great. Like buttered popcorn, like movie popcorn? Any movie kind of popcorn, popcorn, pretty yeah. much. I don't like the sweet, com- mm-hmm. but like Garrett's I love, mm-hmm. Garrett's cheese popcorn. Oh, yeah, like. cheese popcorn. Or That's just a great combo Movie right there. theater popcorn, and yeah. then I'm going to say uh, candy, ap- caramel apples with nuts on it. Mm. Great. With nuts. Um, okay. All right, let's see. Next, uh, I'm going super traditional. Can't do without it. Um, could either be from uh, when you were younger or someone uh, that you enjoy now. But three uh, guys that you preferably famous, so that it's fun. That it's right, like sure. a crush. But it could be not like like I said. It doesn't have to be someone from this era. It could be like if you just loved you know steve mcqueen young steve mcqueen or if you loved michael j fox when you were in high school like that crush can survive and be here or can be people now like so is this like fuck mary kill or it's just like it's kind of like you don't have to spend your whole life with this person if you want to you can name those people if you just wanted to be like i just love to have sex with this person once (laughs) or like the idea of this character like it's not like it's not jason schwarzman but it is you know his character in rushmore or whatever that that means to you it's pretty wide open um i feel like there's certain character actors that i can watch th- they can do anything and i i love them um and there's a lot actually so i guess i have to pick 3 um i love i love william h macy yeah i just love watching him Me and too. um uh, is it Buscemi? Oh, Steve Buscemi. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Is it? Is that how you pronounce it? Buscemi, yeah. 
Uh, Everyone always says Buscemi. He just did the celery guy on Portlandia, and it's like, I'll watch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's great. A delight. (laughs) Have you seen The Imposters? That's one of my favorite movies. Uh -uh. I don't know if I've talked about it before, but um, The Imposters is Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt's movie. And it is fucking adorable. I love it so much. And I love his character in it. His name is Happy, and he's the saddest I was just talking person about in the world. Night. I was just talking about Big oh, it's Night. It's such a great movie, night. too. I'm such a huge Stanley Tucci fan. He would be on my list. Like, yeah, I'm that's, thinking about I him. really want to work with Stanley Tucci bad. But or I, Oliver Platt. I love them both. Yeah. God. That was fantastic. The face thing. Yes! <laughs> I was crying. I was laughing so hard the first time I saw that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um... I have to pick someone else because I was going to say Number Stanley three. Succi. You could pick the two. No, there's just so many. Um, you know what I'm willing to do for you? I can't. There's I'm an willing English to give actor. both categories. I'm willing to give you six and make both both of the last categories. And one can be like you could just be like you trade them back and forth. You don't even <laughs> or one could be like, yeah, that guy I slept with once because uh, I wanted to, and this one I married or like whatever. Or you guys lived together in a house, the three of you. <laughs> <laughs> Three's company. Three's company. <laughs> Shoot it, write it. Ah. I love I love Bill Murray. Obzi- yeah. Obviously, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. When Great. was the last time you saw Tootsie? Oh God. I'll see Tootsie anytime, anywhere. <laughs> I'll drop everything to see it. I saw it at uh, the Arclight when um, AFI Fantastic. did the, like, there was a different movie playing it in each theater with a star introducing each one. And mm-hmm. it was like Sophie's choice to decide which one to go to because I remember Steve Martin was showing the jerk. Oh, but I was like, I need to see Dustin Hoffman in person. And I'm so glad I chose that because while everyone else did like a five minute intro, he talked for like 35 minutes about the film and he's the most adorable, charming, amazing human being in the world. And everyone was in love with him. Yeah. And it was like, he told the best story and then you watch the movie feeling like my friend did this. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's a, an amazing movie. Isn't it And Bill Murray's amazing in it. And it's just one of the best, one of the all time best movies of all time. Yeah. No question. Um, nah, I just thought of Gene Wilder. Absolutely. To let you know where we are, you have three left. Gene Wilder would make two. William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi, Bill Murray, Gene Wilder? Yeah. Great. Um, it's not Michael Gambon. He's a British actor. I should know his name. Okay, I can't, I can't spend too much time on it. I know, I mean, but what is he in? You know, I desperately want to know. Um... Uh, he was just... <laughs> it's a, totally okay. I just saw him in a trailer, but now I don't remember the name of the trailer. Yep, 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 But yep. he's been in a lot of those... Um, uh, Mike... Oh, hang on. This is bad, because once my... He's not in that movie, is he, but he's, is he as old as Michael Gambon? No, he's a little bit younger than Michael Gambon. Like an Ian Holm kind of an age? Uh, Ian Holmey agey. Although Ian Holm and Michael Gambon might be the exact same age, I really don't know. Um... I can't, I can't. You know who I love is Bill Nye from that world. Oh, yes. In a New York second. Yeah, he's Could great. Could not be funnier. I'm going to think of more adorable. 20 more as I, I walk know. into my car. We clearly, you have exquisite taste. <laughs> um, okay, so we can't remember who that Michael is. Might not even be Michael. Might not even be Michael, but he's, you know, when you see a character, like, we always have ideas of what we want to do with our careers or whatever. But yeah. then I see character actors and wh- whenever they're, they have a job, big or small, they're great. Yes. And like, that's what I aspire to. Yes. Like, 
And I, you know, I guess to to prove my point, I don't know this guy's name. Yeah. But I love him. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily need for people to know who I am. I think that's a, that makes perfect sense. But uh, see how I'm using the fact that I can't remember his name? No, it's good. It's very clever. Uh, <laughs> I bought it. I'm buying it. I am buying it. But yeah, like that's, that, that would be success to me. I'm putting Jim down that one guy. That one guy. And then you have one left. Veteran character actor, that guy. I'm so one, I'm so curious because I'm sure it's someone I also love. Yeah. If we can get to the bottom of it after we finish this quickly. Um, and I'm going to have to say, I, I know this person, but I, I've always admired him. Um, David Krumholtz. Oh, I have sure, to pick some, sure. Like a peer almost. He's had such a varied career already, you know, starting as a kid. And he everything he does is great. Yeah. What a joy. God, these are great choices. Okay. Um, so this is now I'm just going to be ascertaining what number I'm using for process of elimination. So just tell me when to stop. Okay. Stop. Great. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. I'm going to pause this. Okay. In just moments, I'll be back to reveal your 100% guaranteed future. Fantastic. All right. We just spent uh, a lot of time trying to figure out. Uh, On IMDb. Love Tom Wilkinson. So now, the truth is, you did not end up with Tom Wilkinson. So it, it, that that part of your life is over. Okay, well. thinking about that is over. Uh, I do want to congratulate you. First of all, I want to say you were great on Friends. I was a big fan of the show. Oh, I thought you. you were so terrific on. I know your brother, brother loved it. Loved it. Um, such a great character. Um, great job on that. I want to congratulate you on your shack in Ashland. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. Listen, it's a little hippy-dippy. It's just a comfy little cozy need, shack. Though. What, are you going to get ostentatious in Ashland? No. You get kicked out of there. Yeah. People would turn their noses up at you. For sure. For having like a McMansion? Forget it. Shack. Great. <laughs> Perfectly respectable shack. Um, as long as there's enough room for the robot that you built. Yeah. <laughs> he actually helps you and your house. robot definitely, definitely uh, exist in the same space. Um, so well done on that. If you ever need to escape uh, the world of Ashland, Oregon, I want to reassure you that you can also just dive right into the world of Rushmore. Pretty great. Uh, which you can do with or without either of your uh, fake husbands. Um, one of them, I'll leave the other one for later, but one of them being Gene Wilder. Fantastic. Which he would do well inside Rushmore. Also, that gives you access to Bill Murray, so it's like you won yeah, yeah. A- another person. It's like a bonus. Um Speaking of diving into something, you can also breathe underwater. Mm-hmm. So very, very excited about that. Oregon coast, not too far off. There's a lot Rushland. of underwater stuff in Russia. A lot Russia of activity. Too. Oh, in yes, the pool. indeed. Yeah, you could just go down there and hang out with Bill Murray while yeah, he... and that little kid yeah. with the goggles on. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. Uh, but no goggles for you. You've worn those enough for one lifetime. <laughs> right. um, certainly you can eat uh, at any moment with no negative ramifications of popcorn. There was a 30, there was a 66% chance you were going to end up with popcorn. You did end up with popcorn. Congrats. Um, and the only thing left for me to reveal to you is your second husband, the one and only inimitable and adorable William H. Macy. <gasps> you really hit the jackpot on all counts. I did. Yeah. I feel lucky. Yeah. You're very lucky. And you were a great guest. And thank you so much for doing the podcast. <laughs> thank you for having me. Ah, oh, so great. I can't wait to meet your dogs. Is there anything that you want to plug? I always hate when people ask me that uh, on a podcast, but then at the same time, if there is anything, great. If not, um, 
I just will advise people to keep their eyes open for you because you're brilliant and hilarious. I'm just going to mention Bad Teacher because I play a woman named Mrs. Who and she's a doctor. So her name is Dr. Who. Amazing. There are many listeners of this podcast who will appreciate that on a very deep level. Thank you, Dr. Who. Thank you. Who never actually goes by Doctor Who on the show. Um, amazing. Susie, thank you so much. And uh, you guys, I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Thank <laughs> you.